Welcome to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast, where we talk workplace culture and all things related to the strategies that drive exceptional environments for employees. You'll hear conversations with those in the manufacturing space tasked with making their workplace better. Employee engagement, benefits, onboarding, hiring, we'll be discussing the working experience from top to bottom. Let's get into the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Manufacturing Employer. I'm your host, John Franco, co-founder of Gorilla76. We are the industrial marketing agency. We help manufacturers grow through revenue-focused marketing programs. On today's show, we have Nate Stansberry, Managing Director of Rust Belt Recruiting, a leading manufacturing recruiting agency. With more than 20 years of experience within talent acquisition and workforce development, he has been a change agent within startup, high growth, and Fortune 500 companies alike. Nate focuses on the best client and candidate outcomes while supporting the company mission of bridging the gap between hardworking people and meaningful workplaces. Committed to the Great Lakes region, Nate's professional track record includes scaling numerous businesses with sustainable, culture-focused talent initiatives. Creating and supporting opportunities for both internal team members and client partners is at the core of Nate's leadership approach. Nate, let's do it. Let's get into it. John, that was a mouthful. Thank you so much uh, for the warm introduction. I know that's a lot. It's funny. I just turned 41 and I still would probably give myself a B plus at reading. I'm 42. I've got two daughters. I finally have gotten my youngest to read to herself and everybody's the better, you know, because she's been catching me, you know, she's been catching me and saying, dad, that's not how the story goes. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, okay. I can't make, (laughs) I can't make this story up anymore. That's that's funny. Right. To kick this off, I normally put a lot of time into prepping for these episodes and for Three or four weeks now since we talked the first time, I've had a note to prep for the Nate episode that's coming up. Right. Well, we are hiring at Gorilla, and yeah. granted, it's a different space, but it's taken all my time, and we're yeah. only trying to fill yeah. one role. So, also, I think I get the sense that we're going to have a pretty easy conversation here. So, I think it's better that yeah. it wasn't like a ton of time went into prepping for it. But I'm just giving that warning because I just I'm coming into this just. Without a bunch of questions. Let's go. I I guess to kick it off, like 30,000 foot view of the manufacturing space right now, as it pertains to the people side of things, the hiring, what's going on? What are you seeing? First of all, thanks for having me on. I love this topic. I love the industrial workforce. It is uh, a challenge, no doubt about it. It's multifaceted. And I think that what you've got right now is really a convergence of... 40 years, at least here in Northeast Ohio, right? 40 years of economic decline. And I'll get to why that matters. You've got a population of employees and ownership that are coming into retirement age. You've got a generation who has been pushed out of the trades and into higher ed. Right now, you've got a lot of domestic initiatives that are creating opportunities in the manufacturing sector, whether it's defense, aerospace, materials, construction, whatever it might be. You name all the acts, the acronyms, right? The CHIPS Act, the Infrastructure Act. And you've got really a shortage of talent that is plug and play, okay? And I think that what a lot of our manufacturing leaders are used to is a pre- 1980s approach where the manufacturing company was the hub of the community. 
And you went to work where your parent went to work. You went to work where a neighbor went to work. You went to work where your friends, your family. And as a kid growing up, you knew that's where you had a job. You went to the company picnic. And so through globalization and frankly, a shift in demand for the domestically manufactured product, you haven't had the same emphasis on and systemization, automation, whatever, right? But you haven't had the same emphasis on these pipelines of talent that naturally flow through communities. And so where we find ourselves today is in a position where the workforce is disconnected from the companies and the communities that they serve. They are not trained plug and play for the opportunities that are inside of a modern manufacturing facility, especially a high-tech one. And a group of leaders who are approaching retirement age or have significant leadership gaps due to retirement. And it's exhausting. If you went in a time machine, you went back 40 years ago or ahead 40 years, you'd be lost, right? And I think that's where a lot of the owners and a lot of the mindset really disconnects from the modern realities of the workforce. I grew up in a decent sized steel town uh, across the river from St. Louis, Missouri, Granite City, Illinois. And as a kid, it was very much reflective of what you said. I mean, everybody, bunch of my friends, parents, dads worked at the steel mill. And, you know, that has shifted a lot. And the impact it's had on Granite City has been tough. And, And the town has rallied around in other ways to try to figure out what is the soul of the city, so to speak, but it's happening all over. I grew up in Akron, rubber capital. And so you think about when I go to a client and when I talk to them about what their needs are, and I'm in about 40 environments a year, we put over 200 people to work in non-temporals, permanent, high-level, high-skill manufacturers. When I talk to clients, it's usually about how are we attracting people How are we selecting people and how are we integrating people in a meaningful way? Because that's really what you lost. When you lost these neighborhoods, when you lost this community connection, when you lost these family chains, these were the people that would attract the right people and repel the wrongs. Okay. These were the people who held in their heart, the core values that were probably not even overt. They were probably implicit and made sure that the right people got in, the wrong people got out. That made sure you knew to talk to whoever it might be to get the right application in that your first day, you knew where to park. If you had a car, there was a pride. You knew where right? to eat. There was yes, a- man, you, you get your ass kicked, frankly, if you didn't do a good job by the two or three people that were probably on the line with you that you were yeah. related to. And why can't we create that? What that, cause that's what it took. Okay. That's what it took. And that's what it takes. When I yeah. go into a manufacturing environment, I hope at the end of it, we have, you don't need an agency. That's the truth. Yeah. I want to give you two or three things that really help to get the ball rolling. Maybe a few placements to get the ball rolling. That's where we make our money, right? But at the end of it, I want you to be able to perpetuate these practices throughout your company, change your culture. And a good culture inside an industrial environment is mostly referrals. It is looking backward to go forward. And so if, if you've got a bonus program that doesn't work, if you've got a workforce that's disconnected, I'd say this, I'd say if I were a business owner today, I'd ask one question and be this, it'd be, would you recommend somebody to work here? And mm-hmm. I would survey the whole team. 
Yeah, and, and I would point that promoter people, score. Hell how yeah. likely are you? You got it. That? Yes, yeah. yeah, you got it. And then I would take that benchmark and I would look at the low scores and the high scores and I'd try to figure out what the hell's going on. And I would be doing that on a yearly basis. I would do that in someone's first 90 days. You're going to learn about somebody and their experience really in that first year. I think anything past that, and I'm not saying you lost them, but you probably aren't going to get the raw feedback you want because they're going to make judgments about you if you're a leader or HR and judgments about the organization. In that first 90 days, they're still pretty raw and you can get honest feedback and that's when you want it. Is there a benchmark for if a company has 25% of referrals mm-hmm. happening, that means it's healthy yeah. or 75% or what? What do you yeah, hear? 50% is what we 50%. see. 50%. 50%. So if and you, that's you had an all hands meeting, that's really healthy. And what you're going to hear, and I'm sure this is going to resonate with some people, is like the best people are referrals. They came from other companies because George is here. They are friends, family members, whoever they might be. That's what we're looking for because there's culture creates itself. And if you've got a culture, everyone has one, right? Yeah. Whether whether you want one or not, whether good or bad, you got one. Everybody has one. And so making sure that your internal net promoters, and these are the people who would refer people. These are the people who have referred people. These are your shining stars. Making sure that they are the ones that are involved in the hiring process, the selection process, that attraction process, because you want them involved in that process and you need to incentivize it appropriately. It doesn't, it's not always about money. It can right. be about a lot of different things. We can get inside of the psychology of incentives, but you don't want to play heads up with Amazon on price. Like anybody who thinks this is about money is crazy. It is about culture. It's about stability. It's about being happy where you work, about being respected where you work. That's what makes people stay. Now, are there going to be cases where people are going to outgrow a position and have to take a new job or too good to be true? Yeah, of course. But those people on the way out are more likely to refer people in. They're more likely to give advanced notice. They're more likely to give better reviews online of your business or come back to you as a boomerang, which happens a lot. Which speaks volumes, right? Like somebody somebody comes back. It's natural, I think, for people to run through a cycle at their workplace where they're, you know what, I just need something different or whatever. Maybe they're moving, maybe. But then all of a sudden they see what it's like at other places. And then to be like, you know what, it was pretty good there. That's always an interesting. In the bio, we talked about culture focused talent initiatives. Can you unpack that a bit? Like what? Yeah. Define that or just talk a little bit about that. So when I think about culture focus, there's a lot of what I kind of said. Every company has a culture. Making sure you're transparent about what that culture is, what the jobs are. I think a lot of people approach the recruiting, interviewing, and integration process almost in a standoffish way, like it is a negotiation. It certainly is. You are trading time for money and services and all that. I get that. There is a degree of negotiation. What has shifted is the idea that someone's going to know what your company does when they come in that front door, that someone's going to have a good handle on interviewing or representing themselves in a way that position, like (laughs) I can interview well. Okay. But I don't think you want me in charge of your CNC machine. Hmm. Okay. And so when you think about, do you want someone who can interview well versus someone who can program a CNC machine? I think that what we need to do is, Take the pressure out of the interview process. Be more approachable. Check this out, John. I went to a site the other day 
they have this sign out front says now hire huge huge sign first of all like that's insane but like let's just humor this for a second that someone's going to go to abc company they've never seen before see a sign out front be able to actually interview appropriately but pull their car over the door was locked amazing so let's just say you pull in you know you're driving around looking for a job you see this sign you pull in the door's locked no one even i had an appointment and um this is a company who obviously has a hiring problem and the door is locked. I said, guys, unlock the door, put something, put, do something here or take the sign down. I don't know what. Well, your front door online matters. So like, make sure your website works. I mean, it, yeah. it's almost better to not have an online presence than have a terrible one. I, thing that I totally agree. Lobby. We're not I in the bu- business of building websites, but like we kind of are like, that's a big, obviously well, the yeah. online component, but I would agree. You're better off not having anything than something that makes mm-hmm. you look like you're 20 years out of date. Exactly. And so how this impacts culture, okay? Because that's the question. Like, okay, so like, great, man, I need a better website. I need to unlock my doors. No, you need to be approachable. You need to meet the workforce where they're at, which is, this is in all likelihood the first time they've ever heard of you, okay? Let's just accept that and move on and take our egos out of the room. So if this is the first time, make sure your marketing message, your recruiting message, outbound message, all marries, okay? And make sure that you put a little bit of forethought into how your job posts look on Indeed. If you're going to a career fair, making sure that you've got it together. You're, you need to give the work some, for something, right? That's what I always say. Like it, when I think about how I approach recruiting, this is whether I'm in-house working for a company or external as an agency, doesn't matter. First thing I do, I go, hey, look, this call is going to last 15 minutes. And if I do a good job, yeah. if I do my job, you're going to come away with a better idea of the company, what to expect next. Obviously, I have a few questions for you, but here's exactly why I liked your background. Now, you don't have to be that soft about it, but remember, the war for talent is real, and all you really need to do is open your doors and your mind and tell people, tell the workforce what it is they need to do in order to be a part of your great organization. It's communication and making sure you are welcoming and that you're following up with people. And so I don't want to get into the nuts and bolts of recruiting, but I do have some more to say. We think about selection. It needs to be time appropriate for the wage. If someone can work for 17 bucks an hour, they need a job. Okay. That is just a fact. The lower the wage, the faster the process. That has to happen. And what that also should include is all the checks and balances that you're going to need but it should include a tour of the facility, okay? A meeting, face-to-face, in-person meeting with the hiring manager, and then potentially some brief interactions with the team. Now, look, if this is a higher level role, you need to involve that team in the process in an appropriate manner. And you need to ask that team what they felt about the candidate. That means being transparent with the team about the hire itself. That means being transparent with the team, that they may have some people shadowing in the process, right? You're not going to do anything unsafe. You're not going to break any OSHA laws or any internal security needs, right? But involving your team in the selection process is going to garner buy-in on the new incoming hire. And what it's also going to do is allow that candidate to self-select in or out. Yeses and nos mean the same damn thing. For me, the yeses pay more but no's are just as valuable. I agree. And so saves you a lot of money later tons on. Tons of time. So if we have 100 candidates that enter our funnel, 
we want to get about 10 of them into that selection process. With those 10, we do want to involve our teams, right? And that can look a lot of different ways. And I can pick that apart for five hours if you want. But we want to involve our teams, make sure they have buy-in on this candidate, make sure that the candidate also has buy-in on this team. And then when it comes to integration, most people screw this up. They've got hurdles that you must jump through. I'm not saying you don't need a drug test. I'm not saying you don't need a background check. I'm not even saying you don't, you need to join them. You, you need to do all these things, but you need to have capable professionals that don't have contempt for the workforce. Yeah, if don't make it have, difficult. Don't make it difficult. And most companies, they outsource this or pawn it off on someone. This isn't their main responsibility. And you're asking someone to go through what is often a very complex, non-job related, I guess, bottleneck with no support from the company, and then they don't show up on their first day, or they show up with a ton of questions on their first day. Listen, all you really need to do is appoint someone internally who is good at welcoming people, has a little bit of organization skills, and have them spend an hour a week, an hour a week, doing an orientation, doing a basic walkthrough of the next steps, making sure that the paperwork's in order, helping your workforce in their first day. What goes a long way to, if you can standardize someone's first week, even a little bit, shared experiences, create culture, right? And so sending someone their first week, like where to park, showing them on their first day, where the bathrooms are, maybe having a couple lunches planned out for them or get to know you type sessions. These things matter. And they're easy and they're free. When we hired at my company years back, I think we lacked a lot of this organization in our onboarding. Or I'll say it was organized, but I think we just didn't think how important that the minute we make the offer, our process kicks mm -hmm. off. We have, and right. to your point, it's so easy and so simple. You just need a process and you yeah. just need to follow the process and right. literally have a note. Make sure to show them where the bathrooms are. Make sure right. to show them where to park. Like, it's fine. Right. Dumb it down. Make the process for yourself. Just like when you make a big purchase, when you accept a job, there's like immediate buyer's remorse that often kicks oh, in. That people sure. are just like, did I make the right decision? Did I? You can start to remove all of that right from the beginning by just doing some very proactive, simple things to let the person know like, hey, we're really excited and you made a good decision. And John, when you think about how this impacts a competitive workforce, if this is a hands-on role, an entry point into your organization, they're going to have options. They're going to have yeah. other opportunities. Yeah, there's and, a lot of jobs out there for 17 and right, right? Exactly. And so as you think about the very end of, of this process, right, like you got to start at the beginning again. And so what I tell every company before we go too far down a search path is put a hire request together, map this stuff out. And make sure you actually need this position, that you're prepared for this position, that you know what everything looks like. The very first thing you need to do is to start with that end in mind. Hire request, super easy. What's the role? What's the title? What's the pay? Who's this report to? What are the four to six key accountabilities you want? Benefits. You know, and yeah, make sure you got all your ducks in a row. What's the hiring process look like? What's that first week look like? And what's the challenge we're trying to solve if this is a new role? And does this do it? Essentially, you run that through your financial team or whatever basic leadership command you got. And you hand that off then as the blueprint for success, right? And so you start with the end in mind. You have a process that's inclusive, but selective and self-selective. And then you have just some basics around someone's first week integrating the company. 
you send them a 90-day survey or you have them mm. interface with HR or their hiring manager just on the basics. Hey, what did you think of your first 90 days? Here are the metrics we anticipated. And you can share that up front. Just depends on the role. Here are the metrics we need out of you moving forward. Here's the metric. Here's where you're crushing it, whatever it might be. And would you recommend anybody? And if they say yes, could you? And here's our incentive program. Man, you're ready to rip. And, and the um, other thing I like to ask too is, would you be willing to write a review on yeah, X, Y, or absolutely. Z platform exactly. about what it's like exactly. to work here? Because people look right. at that. Exactly. At I in, do every in our time. space they do. That's like at a very high level, how it can break down. What gets measured gets managed. And so you can also look into, if you're not getting a lot of qualified applicants, you got a problem in your attraction bucket. If people are getting into your process, but you're not getting offers out, you've got a selection problem somewhere in there, there's a breakdown. And if you're getting offers out, but they're not being accepted, or you're losing people in your first 90 days, in all likelihood, you've got an integration challenge, right? Like you're missing it somewhere. And so measuring those buckets and kind of breaking it down is going to tell you where to go to help diagnose. And I can get even further with that. It's amazing. It's so similar to the marketing funnel, right? It is. It is the market. This is marketing. It's marketing. If it's marketing. So So we've talked about the past. We've talked about the kind of present, the future, I think industry 4.0 robotics, Mm. this is all coming. What does that look like for the workforce? What does that mean for future job applicants, I guess? Community colleges are doing a great job here in Ohio. Lorraine Community College being the example that you hear a lot in the semiconductor space. I think that we've got a resurgence of interest in trades. We have record amounts of young adults going into trade schools. We think about robotics. We've got to be ready to train our workforce. I think that, and it's so cliche, it's easy for me to say, oh, we got to train people. We got to train people. I think that like that is such crap. What you've got though, and everybody knows it, is we've got a lot of people getting ready to retire, right? And so as we shift toward automation and we shift to more smart technologies and advanced manufacturing and manufacturing 4.0, we are either going to, the companies that are going to live or die are going to be the ones that adopt continuous training as much as they adopt continuous improvement. And if I were in charge of a manufacturing company that was considering new equipment or revolutionizing equipment that is revolutionary, right? I would find a community college partner. I would tell them exactly what I'm doing, what I'm up to, because these are the places where you can get state dollars, federal dollars to help offset that training burden. Because with emerging technology, no one knows it, okay? And that's an advantage to the companies that are ready to invest in training and make serious inroads within their community. And I would start at the community college. And what a benefit for the community college, too, to have a pipeline where they can send their students to say, hey, we're going to help you get a job now. That's what they're here for. I would say anyone who look into Lorraine Community College, what they've done with clean rooms and what they've done with semiconductors. I was just there not too long ago. It's amazing. And they are preparing for the jobs of the future today. There is absolutely no reason why you can't get involved with your community college or your local trade school if you have a good relationship. I love the timing of this episode because we're at the end of the year. 
I think no matter what fiscal years a company operates on, whatever, I think January 1 is always kind of a restart. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great time to rethink your hiring process. Any advice to any of the HR managers out there, company leaders that as they turn the calendar to a new year, as they start to rethink their hiring process, what fundamentals should they be thinking about? So usually Q4, at some point, we either can forecast out the year and we can get a handle on what our budget is going into next year. I would begin the recruiting process early. I think that December is a great month to connect with people. They tend to have flexibility. A lot of people's New Year's resolutions are to find a new job or a better job. I think that starting a little bit early is always a good thing. People have more time on their hands. They're searching the internet more. So as Q4 develops, and it's early Q4 right now, but understand where you are in the budget cycle with your own organization. Once you have an understanding of where these needs are going to be, begin putting a plan together to tackle and start early. Start early. I think that if they're lower, if they're production roles, start in mid-January. If they're higher level roles, right? Like we're thinking engineers, we're thinking maybe more white collar jobs, supervisors, Start the first part of December. I think that in recruiting available talent right now, it should not take you more than 45 days to get them in the door. So it's really 30 to 45 days is where we see the most success with active candidates. That means those are people you're going to be able to reach. And our strategy generally when we tackle candidates in general is like we want a blend of people who are looking for jobs, right? Maybe they're coming off job boards, they're coming out of our database, we know they're interviewing. And we want people who are passive, right? People like we're sourcing off LinkedIn or we're sourcing more, like they're interested to hear what we have to say, but maybe they're not looking to make a move. Regardless, between those two candidate groups, you should have people in process and starting within 45 days of go. So you get that hire request filled out, you turn it in, you should start recruiting and your person should be there within 45 days. If they're not, you may need to adjust the scope of the role. You may need to look at your attraction methods. You need to look at your compensation and maybe you need an added boost. Maybe you need a partner, right? Like maybe yeah. you need someone, no, for someone sure. like us, I right? mean, that's why there are professionals like yourself that can help with this. Absolutely. And and I think just the overview of looking at a hiring process is just so important. I would agree. And I'm assuming that's something that you can help with as well and advise on. I mean, that's the first thing. So when you think about how our recruiting process works, and this can be an internal process as well, right? So we'll have a sales call with a client. All right. They'll say, hey, this sounds fair. Uh, the rates are good. Uh, we've got a lot of different rates that we work with. I won't bore anybody with that. The very next thing we do is a intake call with the hiring manager. And that's where we fill out our own hire requests, frankly. That's when we go into all the details that we need. And along the way, as we're talking to the hiring manager, basically it's our agreement for how this is going to work, right? And so with that hiring manager, we're going to cover all the questions. What is the comp? What is the ideal? We'll basically iron out the interview process, the communication pattern, what they're looking for, ideal candidate, what their budget is. And so we take all that information and we then go out and start to put posts together. We then go out and start sourcing appropriate candidates. And we'll do that late in the week because you figure what we really want to do is if we sign a contract on Monday, we want to have this intake on Wednesday, and then we want to go to market on Thursday. And I would say this is the same, whether you're an internal team 
You know, it would be like, hey, my higher up said, you know, that this is a thing. This is budget approved. Then you would take, if you're HR dude and you're at XYZ Manufacturing, you would go to the hiring manager and say, hey, answer these questions for me. What's the role? What's the pay? What's the challenge we're looking to solve? What's this person doing? What's the interview process look like? Get all that ironed out. And then go to Indeed, go to Zip, go to LinkedIn, go wherever, and start generating that outbound content. Get your job descriptions together, hit up your databases, hit up your contacts, and then spit it out on Thursday going into Friday because you want people to look at this over the weekend. Come in Monday morning, analyze your results, see what that top of the funnel looks like and adjust from there. You got a lot of people, you have too many people. That's not good. You weren't specific enough. Yep. Okay. You don't have enough people, eh, depending, you know, maybe the pay is off. Maybe this is the best you're going to do. Like if you're looking for a tool and die maker, a few people might be the best you're going to yep. do. Yep. And then take that group, start screening them, right? Because a lot of the times what we'll ask somebody in that higher request section is, what are the two to three questions you want me to ask? And start asking those questions. And from our angle, our goal is to get your first round of candidates to you within seven to 10 days. You're not going to get them tomorrow. We, got, right. we don't even know what you want yet. Seven to 10 it days. Takes time. And what yeah. you're going to, it does. And what you're going to see is a subset of people that are about this big that meet the budget requirements, meet the role, are, are pretty good, right? They're live candidates, they're ready to interview. And what you're going to do is you're going to give us feedback on these candidates and then we're going to do the market again and then we're going to come back with this big of a sample set. And so within two weeks, our goal is to get you the active candidates that are immediately available, whether they're actively interviewing or they're more passive. Anyway, the people who are interested in learning more about your opportunity, we want them to you within 14 to 21 days so that you can review them, give us feedback, and we can build on that. And then what we ask of the client is like, get them in process right now. You can't sit on these people. Like, what's the first step? And we should be able to go back to the higher request, look through and say, okay, first steps, a phone screen with Bill, phone screen with us, site visit, whatever it might be. And we can explain that to the candidate so that they can set their expectations approach. And so by the end of it, what we hope to see is around that third, fourth week, four to six active candidates who are highly qualified that are interviewing for that coveted spot so that there are no bad options and there's a backup option as well. And so that is what winning really looks like from an agency standpoint and from an internal standpoint, your internal team should be doing this. And so if, if it's taking seven weeks to hire somebody, there's a breakdown somewhere, right? Like for us, I can't stress that enough. It's four to six weeks at an absolute max. Super simple roles. Hey, look, there's nothing wrong with running a high turnover entry point into the company. I hear this all the time. Well, I'm not going to train people if I don't know they're going to show up and pass the test. Okay, 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 cool. Here's another strategy for you. Great simplified roles inside your organization that you can hire quickly, elevate quickly, or it's kind of like the old in, up, or out. Don't treat people terrible. Like make sure that you're not alienated. There is such a thing as local talent burnout. But if you're nervous about training or you think that there's an erosion in qualified candidates, look, create a simplified role inside your organization and recruit from that. So you recruit for that and you hire fast for that. And then you find the people that show up or bought in that you actually value and you need to have an intentional strategy to get them throughout your organization. So it's the training place. It's the probationary area. These things can help a company succeed as well. Well, Nate, I, Oof, that's a lot, John. It's that's so good. It's so good. <laughs> so and fun. funny enough, I think we could talk for hours about this. We could. 
We are in the hiring process right now, and I have a phone screen starting any minute. So <laughs> how can our listeners learn more about you, get in touch? To be honest with you, go to rustbeltrecruiting.com. Go to our website. There's plenty of places to see our work, see what we do. Find out if it's appropriate for you. Obviously, you can reach out to any one of us from there. But go to jobs at rustbeltrecruiting.com is a good email. But moreover, go to rustbeltrecruiting.com. Our team would be happy to help. We're always kind of monitoring who's coming through those funnels. You all have a podcast as well. Same type of we topics, do. whatever. So, yeah. Nate, this was so much fun. Thanks a ton for your time. And to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. I'll catch you on the next episode of The Manufacturing Employer. You've been listening to the Manufacturing Employer Podcast. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you'd like to learn more about our approach to industrial marketing and the role the company culture has in moving manufacturing forward, visit Gorilla76.com.